0: Welcome to Parents on Pictures podcast. My name's Damien. My name's Sam. And what we do each and every week is we take something from a streaming platform like Netflix, Amazon Prime, Disney Plus, and we come in here and we talk about it once we've seen it. So Sam, what are we doing this episode?
1: We're going to do a uh, a more focused episode, um, just a, a shorter one having a look at um, uh, maybe some, let's, let's, let's be honest, we're looking at things that we like here. So you never know, <laughs> are we gonna give it a thumbs up? It's highly likely, but yeah, stick around, you never know. Um, so we're just uh, pulling out some films that we know from um, the the kind of catalog of, of streaming services that, that we've seen that we can talk about and then we can give you kind of a, uh, maybe some insights into what we think about the movies. And we're going to go for the 2009 reboot of the Star Trek franchise starring Chris Pine.
0: And it is uh, just a footnote. This is currently available on Amazon Prime, if I'm not too mistaken. So are the other ones from the reboot series as well, aren't
1: they? Yeah. So you can watch the the full trilogy, Star Trek Into Darkness and Beyond, if you're inclined to do so. Nice. Um, but I mean, we're coming at this from different angles, as we we'd already discussed, Damien. because you're a you're a committed Trekkie (laughs) and I'm 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 really not. I've seen some of the the TV, you know, a few episodes here and there of the TV shows. I've watched a few of the the classic movies like the Wrath of Khan and and things like that. so when I came to watch this, it, I'll be honest with you, the first time I watched this in the cinema, um, my we couldn't think of anything else to do other than to go to the cinema, and this was the only thing that looked kind of passable, and so all three of us kind of went, eh, go on then. and. I'll be honest with you I was my expectations oh you know I wasn't I'm not going to say I was glad I went in with low expectations but I was blown away considering I wasn't expecting much that's my kind of you know my cinema experience of it I should say
0: I'm glad that you had that cinema experience and yeah, as you said, I have grown up with Star Trek. Star Trek was a big thing in our house. Um, now, don't get me wrong, there are people out there who who make me look like a passive fan um, because Star Trek is huge, especially if you ever attended the conventions you kind of realise just how big it is. But no, it used to be uh, BBC 2, 6pm every single Tuesday and or Thursday, depending on what decade you're talking about. And I've been watching Star Trek probably since I was five. Um, I started with generation. That I started with the Next Generation or TNG. Went into Deep Space Nine and Voyager. uh, Went back to the original series because I was too young to have seen that the first time around. Watched all of the films multiple times. um, Can quote scripts. It even got to the stage where uh, at secondary school. Uh, I used to spend my time in the library designing uh, new starships, what they would look like, um, how many nacelles they would have, just just everything. I absolutely loved it. So, yeah, for me, the the issue here would have been, did J.J. Abrams actually do a decent enough job? And what I like, the very first thing that they get in there, literally right at the beginning of the film, is this can arguably although of course it is a reboot but arguably it is a continuation of uh the star trek universe but they use um, parallel dimensions as a way of doing that because if you've never seen it before the film starts off where nero a romulan comes back in time and destroys the starship that um uh, that Kirk's father is on, his first officer. Kirk is yet to be born. In fact, as the starship is being destroyed, Kirk is being born. And so it rewrites history. Um, and and so it, instead of just being an outnight, an out-and-out reboot, it goes back to the beginning and then starts to rewrite it. And I believe it's now called the Kelvin Universe. So Trekkies will actually refer to the different storylines on different universes. And and they have names for this, which is fair because it's just a nice, easy way of being able to tell the difference. So yeah, I mean, I sought this out. I watched everything about it up to the release. And um, I was very, very... Apprehensive about what the quality would be like. I mean, JJ Abrams up to this point hadn't really done anything too bad. I mean, he'd done Mission mm. Impossible, which was really really good. Um, he had done uh, a whole slew of, of other bits and pieces, none of which were bad. Um, but then he, this time around, he was, he was- a
1: very much an established. He was very much an established sci-fi director. He'd got his kind of like sci-fi chops, and also, I guess when you think about things like uh, Lost and mm. things like that, that kind of like really convol- I know, and I haven't watched all of Lost so I, I know there's much to be said about the end of that yeah, series either. but the, the kind of the convoluted storylines in terms of uh, using time travel and things like that you would say he's a safe pair of hands um, for this kind of franchise but like you say from someone who is you know steeped in the, the kind of the lore of the the Star Trek series and things like that, that is, um, oh my goodness is, and for some people I'm sure critique would be that it goes too, it is too Hollywood. It's not Star Trek enough. It's too light, it's too surface level. Um, but then would you say, sorry, I, know I cut in on your apologies, but would you say it's kind of a good kind of gateway drug into um, <laughs> into the Star Trek universe? You know, potentially there'll be people that would watch this and then go back and watch the previous series maybe
0: potentially. Now, first off, never apologize for cutting me off because I have a habit of talking too much anyway. um, Now, yeah, I I think that you can definitely see the mass appeal to this. Um, I wouldn't say that they go so far as to pander to the masses. I know that some people would argue that because, again, there there are people out there who feel very strongly about this franchise, and understandably so. It's been with us for decades. Um, but, yes, you can, you can tell that it's made for a modern audience. It's not specifically made for Trekkies, but I do believe that there is enough in there um, to to attract Trekkies as well as uh, you know, the general public, I suppose, if you want to split the two audiences. But it is being made by a studio. It's big budget. It has to bring the masses in. Otherwise, we would never have seen two sequels to this film. That's the bottom line. Uh, so I, I personally don't mind that so much. What I really didn't want them to mess up was getting the characters right, because the likes of Kirk and Spock and Bones and... All of the characters, especially those three, though, because those three tend to, they carried the uh, the franchise back in the day. Um, the characteristics of these people, or I suppose the characters, definitely they're not real. Um, the characteristics are very uh important to the storytelling and always have been so for me it wasn't necessarily about what the starships looked like blah 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 because yeah you know it it was made decades ago it's going to look better now oh the technology is better than than what it was in the original well of course it is you know the original's decades ago so i honestly don't care about any of that crap all i cared about was did they get the characters right and, in my opinion, yeah, they got it bloody spot on. And I d- mm. especially the three. like having um having Carl Urban play McCoy was perfect. And I think Zachary Quinto and Chris Pine playing Spock and Kirk were also really, really good casting for those roles so for Mm -hmm. me the most important thing was the characters they got that nailed i thought it was great
1: Uh, and i think they did they they did some good things to just play with the i mean kirk is very you know he's he is the iconic kirk although he's kind of like the reluctant hero um uh, to a certain extent um i think they still play around with that they obviously the idea that you know him and spock are essentially like not mortal enemies but literally you know a very strong dislike um and come to blows um a couple of times certainly um and then also the, the and you'll correct me if i'm wrong but um the lieutenant uh, um uh, uh lieutenant. and yeah. um uh, spock the the relate horror, yeah the um the relationship there uh, um as well as i assume is an addition but i think is something that works really well because it, it plays uh, well with those characters it shows us more of, of them it's not it doesn't feel tacked on um, so yeah I, I would agree I think um, and I think linked to that as well I mean also the performances are fantastic I think Chris Pine is up there with he um, for me there are two other actors that I think can take a punch really well and get beaten up really well uh, the first is Harrison Ford um, and the second is is oh, literally it's just slipped out of my mind. Um, Firefly. Uh, what's it? Nathan um, Fillion. Nathan Fillion can take a punch so well, and so can like Chris Pine getting literally um, beaten to a pulp by uh, uh, by Spock is um, just fantastic. Uh, which is a weird thing to say, but he's he's got a gift. Um, but to like in connection with that as well, um, I think you have. Like lots of different layers of conflicts within the story. It's not just ah um oh, the world is going to blow up, or oh, you know that it the, you've got kind of the you know that you've got uh, James T Kirk discovering who he is. Who am I? Am I going to be my father? Do I can I live up to to that, or do I keep on trying to you know play the play the you know the games and not face up to what my father had to face up to you know was he going to sacrifice his life? Was there going to be a no-win scenario? Um and then and then you also as well with the with the villain. Um I think, you know, yeah, a bit megalomaniac, bit, but you can kind of you can get it. He's gone mad and he has this spaceship, which is obviously, you know, advanced in so many ways and and he can use it to wreak his revenge. And and it's um I, I just think all of that for me I think those different levels of conflict within the plot just came together and worked really well and made it work on a lot of different levels
0: I agree um, my only thing with the plot is I was I was watching it again very recently for this pod and um, you know it's it this was made in 2009 this film and I'm I'm, I'm, I'm looking at it and I'm like there are some there's some really big holes in this plot when you think about it too much. Like, massive, massive holes in this plot. So, the first one, which, unfortunately, I think is so big a plot point, or, or so big a hole, that it's actually become a meme on Facebook, is like, so Nero hangs about for 25 years and does what with his life? Um, why didn't he go to Romulus and save his people? Tell them that this was going to happen? Get them to move planet? I don't know. Um, Where was he for 25 years? If it's him going crazy because his wife died whilst he was out working, because let's face it, that is basically his motivation. He was out mining. Romulus gets destroyed and his wife was on the planet with his unborn child. And so that drives him insane. Are you telling me that in 25 years, nobody thought... You know what, mate, might want a mutiny. This guy sitting about for twenty-five years waiting to kill one person and then blow up Vulcan. It's like, mm, okay. So yeah, there is that. That's that's a little bit of a plot point. <laughs>
1: I've got one thing to one thing to say to you, Damien. Go for it. Time 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 travel <laughs> done. <laughs> I mean, that is the thing. Like, that is that. I guess there's always that thing. I, I, and again, um, I think J.J. Abrams is a bit of a one for using like a what's it called a, a MacGuffin to yeah. so just like distract you. Like, let's launch the red matter.
0: Oh what yeah. We
1: do what is it? You know, no, we have no idea. There are no. You know, <laughs> It just mm-hmm. makes bad stuff happen and like, totally implode.
0: <laughs> now I, I forget what he calls it, but um, J.J. Abrams loves having. Uh, a mystery box he loves playing with mystery boxes and he does it in everything that he does so for instance in mission impossible i think it was number three that he directed when it was the rabbit's foot yeah nobody knows what the rabbit's foot is nobody knows what it does but it is a force of you know unstoppable destruction that's like okay cool what is it you you never find out it lost they do similar things all the time jj I think they do something similar in Super 8 as well, but it's been such a long time since I've seen that film, I forget what it is. Abrams loves his, as you put it, his MacGuffins. Um, he loves his mystery boxes that he doesn't reveal what's in there. And for all intents and purposes, it doesn't really matter because it's just used to push the plot forward. Um, and for some
1: people, that could be a real annoyance, and for other people, it's like, oh, no, I like that. I'm I'm happy for there to be this kind of unknown As long as it as long as it works consistently, it's a bit like the sort of black box technology. You can uh, you can accept um, the hyperdrive on the Millennium Falcon. You can accept the sonic screwdriver, as long as they behave within the rules that have been set for them within the story. Yeah, Um, that makes total sense. Yeah. Any? um, I want. uh, There are a couple of scenes that stand out to me as like particularly good. I don't know, just stand out for you? Is there any that jumped to mind for you?
0: Scenes? uh, Not especially. There are things that stand out to me, but it's more... uh, Well, let's talk about the scenes first. So what are the ones that you've got in your mind? What really stands out?
1: So for me, best use of the song "Sabotage" by Beastie Boys oh, at yes. the very start, when we see um, uh, Kirk as a as a young boy being rebellious and and throwing his stepdad's car off a cliff, uh, It's just just brilliant.
0: I love that uh, scene. Uh, the music, in. the scene, um, yeah. Fair play.
1: Yeah, and, and I have to say that opening scene as well. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the sort of the, the when when you see his father sacrifice himself, and then, and then also links in with the that kind of the the sort of the, the motif that, in the score, the, that kind of Star Trek theme, and I I'm going to butcher the the composer's name. Michael begins with a G. Um, oh, uh, I want to uh, say Gaia Gaiachino or something like that. Um, I'll probably get it wrong, but yeah, one of his Robert most
0: or- or- Orchi Orchi or- or- and Alex Kurtzman. No, that's the writers. Demo. Ah, okay. <laughs>
1: you carry yeah, but, on I'll have a
0: look original yeah that, we original that, music by uh, Michael Giacchino
1: there you go I was pretty close there yeah I'll, um I'll get, but yeah I, I, that that is just fantastic when you get the, the title screen come up there and you get that that um theme and then also I would say the um the reveal um no uh, spoiler alert but the reveal of Spock um with well, I say Spock as in Old Leonard spot. Nimoy yeah Leonard Nimoy. Yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah old spot.
1: I was just like again, it might be something that people is it fan service? I don't know, but I just think it plays really well. Uh, I like the way that they um uh, that they use that they bring him in, and again, it's that like making that link mm. with the old and the new.
0: I like it. I don't think it was fan service in the sense of they've overdone it. I thought that and and this is probably because they wrote it into the story. I thought it was a really, really nice and respectful way of paying homage to the original series. What gave birth to Star Trek and the fact that it was more than just a bit cameo was really nice. Now, I know that he wasn't uh, in it for very long, um, but he is in it multiple times and he is integral to the plot which is fantastic so the fact that they did it that way i think goes beyond fan service um, which is something i wish they had done a bit more of in the second one where it basically is just a cameo um but we'll talk about that another time the less that said about into darkness the better now um the thing i love that you brought up the music because whilst there was no standout scene for me there were some really cool moments that i was like whoa this is amazing um the thing that stood out for me the most was the music. I think that something as, as epic and as grand as star Trek or or at least what it is now, because it used to just be a humble TV series. um, The music that goes along with it is amazing. And I've seen this film dozens of times and it still doesn't grate on me. And I can, I can, I can hum it in my head and I'll often find myself whistling it. And the only other type of music that I will do that to is something that's Epic and memorable, like for instance, the Indiana Jones theme tune um, and stuff, or Star Wars theme tune. I'm like, finally, you know, st- other than, I don't know, the fi- Final Frontier, which was what was used for the Next Generation TV series, um, which is probably the most recognizable piece of music to have come from Star Trek, arguably so. Um, the theme for this, bloody brilliant. I loved the music, absolutely loved it.
1: And alongside that as well, I think the sound design and sound effects are really good. Um, I think that just think there's just those little kind of little things like that the sort of the, almost like beacon noise that pings off the ship the the way that they when there's an explosion and like the hull rips open and then they literally drop the sound when people go flying off into space um, uh, just some of those elements as well. Um, the only thing I would say when it comes to sort of the audio visual aspect of it, it was JJ Abrams, you need to chill out with a lens glass. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I see what you're going for, but you need to like dial it back from 11 down to maybe, maybe a four or a three um yeah. he
0: constantly gets stick for lens flares, and again because it's it's quite an old film now um having been done in two thousand and nine it 's over ten years old he over the years he's gotten a lot of flack for lens flares in star trek but i i again i didn't mind it so much i didn't find it all that distracting um I, I thought it was great, quite frankly the thing that I found a little bit more distracting was <sighs> The, the pace in which they had to get the original crew together. So they all start off, well, actually, they, they start off as, I suppose, babies, if you want to argue. Then you see young Spock, because you get, you get a, a scene with young Kirk, which we've already talked about, showing that he's rebellious and whatnot. You get a scene with young Spock that shows that he's basically being picked on and bullied by the uh, Vulcans as he's growing up because he's half human. And so you see them grow up really quickly. But the, bre- ne- the breakneck speed, comes from okay we've got Kirk and Spock and Bones and Uhura and Scotty and um, Uh Sulu and uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna forget someone Chekhov can't believe I forget Chekhov he was one of my favorite characters in the original series and all these wonderful original characters that we've got to bring together and I do feel that with some of the characters they may have rushed it ever so slightly. The one in particular I'm thinking of is Scotty. So first off, mm. for some reason, instead of Kirk being sent to the brig, they literally eject him off the Enterprise to a frozen planet. I'm like, so Spock was going to what? Swing round and pick him up when he felt better? I mean, don't get me started on that logic gap. Um, and, you know, lo and behold, when he's on this ice planet, he meets old Spock um and and for some reason scotty is on this planet as well i'm like what what, what? And, and and so they have to catch up with a they have to catch up with a starship that is currently in warp and so they uh, they use trans warp i mean what the heck even <laughs> even if, right even if the theory is sound how do they have the technology
1: but see this what? is where I think Damien, you're looking at this you're you're coming with your your Star Trek fanboy head on whereas I'm just like it's, it's sci-fi you can do that stuff and Imagine. You know, no. and also again yeah I'm I'm just like you know we've got to have all these characters come together I get I get what you're saying and I, I do think um certainly in this film I think there were points where um as much as I I love Simon Pegg I think his Scottish accent slips uh, a few points um, but yeah, it is a little bit contrived that you happen to, but you know, this is just one timeline. There could be timelines where there's no one on that planet and that's it for Kirk and he gets eaten by a giant red monster. Um, <laughs> this is just the, this is the one that we happen to be, uh, to be watching.
0: The, yeah. the one where apparently if you can theorize something, the technology to do it magically appears. Yeah, Yeah. 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 <laughs> no, I mean, honestly, I'm, I'm I'm being nitpicky if I'm perfectly honest with you. Um, there are logic gaps, and you've had plenty of years to look at them and find them. Um, there are your MacGuffins and all this, that, and the other. And, you know, it's not a perfect movie. It's a Star Trek movie. It's never going to be. But I, poor... Oh. Okay, before I say, coolest moment for me, Spock is about to charge old Spock's ship into Nero's ship. And then all of a sudden from, well, from nowhere, we know it's coming, the Enterprise appears and shoots all of its torpedoes and phases and every like, ah, oh, this is so cool. For me as a kid, the thing that was missing from Star Trek, which we got a bit of in Deep Space Nine, was epic space battles, it was always a bit too peaceful. But then again, Next Generation was about exploration and, and not war, but obviously in Deep Space Nine, they actually had uh, the Dominion, the, the war with the Dominion. Um, so yeah, for me, it was always like, I want to see a space battle on epic scale. And the closest I think that we got to that was maybe first contact um, with the, the Next Generation crew, Um, and a couple other times in some of the other films. But to see it this slick and this cool and this energised, like for me, I was just like, oh, this is amazing. Just keep going, Abrams. You've done amazing.
1: And I think that touches on something that I like about this movie, which is the fact that I'd always preferred Star Wars to Star Trek because Star Wars was a bit more beaten up and a bit more, kind of real it felt i it maybe it's just one of those things where it might have just been a a budget thing and that you know i'm thinking back to the classic star trek you know when the ship gets shot everyone just wobbles around a bit and someone might fall over a desk or whatever it might be a spark somewhere but everything seems pretty clean and pretty like slick and smooth Whereas um, I, what I liked in, in this movie is that, yeah, that things were kind of broken down and you saw sort of the innards of the ship, which was all kind of, you know, a mess of pipes and all these sorts of things. So uh, with that, the space battles and things actually exploding and getting damaged and, and how um, I think from the very start of the movie, they are on the back foot. Um, it's not just a case that they've got the most superior ships and, and technology that, you know, every, you know, every encounter, they are um, literally moments away from losing shields and getting obliterated. I think that for me, that works better and probably worked against some of the things that I didn't like about the TV series or the original one. thing.
0: Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. And I think a lot of it is budget because they had to be like, right, guys, we can't destroy the set too much because it's going to cost way too much money to fix it for the next episode. <laughs> so just kind of like, OK, I'm going to shout left And then you've got a torpedo that's hit the ship and you all just kind of fall left. That's pretty much how it was done back in the day. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) When I shout warp, you all hang on your chairs and push back in them because you (laughs) go forward really fast. Um, No, that, that is, that is exactly how it was done back in the day because they had no choice. The technology wasn't there. The budget wasn't there. Actually, no, the technology was there, but they didn't have the budget to do it. Um, Which is, you know and again, it's fab, it adds to the charm of Star Trek. Uh, Eddie Trekkie will happily look over those things because at the end of the day, they got a product from it that they absolutely love, and um, we're just happy to see through these things. It's a product of its prime or of its time, I should say. But I'm yeah, I'm really happy to see that they went total modern for this and didn't try and uh restrict themselves by by making things look like the technology was old mm, they yeah. clearly use the same designs as the original tv series with you know everything from uniforms to the look of the ship to the 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 phaser pistols that everything that they use is inspired by uh, the original series and looks really close so it is it's like it's had a facelift and a damn good one at that too
1: mm. And I think um, I guess unless you've got anything else, uh, Dama, we're probably hitting that point where it's probably quite clear which way where um, <laughs> which way we're going to lean. Yeah. On, on this, I mean, I'm, I'm I, I'll go first if that's all right. Um, I um, I, it's it's a it's a thumbs up and a recommendation for me. I would certainly say if you're not a massive sci-fi fan, it's not something you'd normally gravitate towards. You know, if you were looking on Amazon Prime or Netflix or whatever, and you, you always sort of skirt over these kind of movies. I would say definitely give it a try because it is, it's lighter than, than some sci-fi. It's very much an action packed movie. Like Damo said, great characters, fantastic performances and a, um, a really good uh, and well kind of thought out um, update of a classic, uh, um, you know, a sci-fi classic um, yeah, there's always things that you can kind of, uh, find holes in, but yeah, thoroughly would recommend it.
0: Nice. Nice. And you know, no big surprise. I'm exactly the same. Now I'm not recommending it just because I'm a fan of star Trek, because again, it's, it's parents on pictures podcast, which means that we have to be like, if you've got one film to watch, are you going to spend your time watching this? And I genuinely believe that unless you don't like, uh, science fiction, then of course leave this film well alone. But if you if you don't mind science fiction or you even enjoy science fiction, you can be you can be just a casual sci-fi viewer. Um, and I still think that you will enjoy this. It looks fantastic. I mean, the CGI and the special effects still hold up, and we're over ten years later, which is more than I can say for some films. It looks fantastic. It's really well paced. I didn't find myself getting bored at any point. Yes, it has plot holes if you overthink it. So unfortunately, and it is a bit of a cardinal sin for a Star Trek film. It's a little bit simple, but this is. Definitely Star Trek, more for a, a mass audience. And I think it services both sides very, very well. Looks fab. The actors are wonderful. It's really, really compelling to watch. And I don't think you'll be bored at any point. So yeah, 100% thumbs up, Recommends Just go watch it. It's on Amazon Prime right now for free if you've not seen it already, which I think a lot of people have so far. Sam, anything else to say before we uh, do the, the socials?
1: No, only live long and prosper <laughs> uh, see, Yeah, see? Love it I remembered
0: it <laughs> oh, Yeah, well done, and I didn't mention it I'm going to mention it now, there was a bit when Spock is an adult at the Science Academy, and um, it stuck out to me, it's like he says live long and prosper after he turns them down, and you, with the tone and the little smile that he gives you know that he just wants to turn around and go F you um, yes. <laughs> I'm joining Starfleet. (laughs) But you just reminded me of that. And I was like, I chuckled to myself. Anyway, social. So you can find us on Anchor and Spotify, uh, which is where we put our podcasts. You can also find us on iTunes. Uh, You can find us on Facebook, which is where we're most active when it comes to social media. We do have a Twitter and an Instagram, but we don't really use it all that much. So if I'm perfectly honest with you, just go to Facebook. Um, Other than that, I am going to say a goodbye. Goodbye.